Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Lisa Morrell from Equine Alchemy, and I want to welcome you all with all of my heart to the Transforming and Thriving Through Horse Wisdom Global Summit from Equine Alchemy. And as well as welcoming you, I want to welcome our special guest today, Margaret Coates. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Lisa. It's so nice to have you join us all the way from across the pond. Well, for me, it's across the United States and then across the pond. Yeah. Yeah. So Margaret is another one of our special guests who are going to talk with us and give us some insights around horse wisdom. And hers is through uh, the work she does with animal communication, as well as a lot of other things, of which I am going to read her bio so I don't miss any of the good stuff. So Margaret has paved the way for healing for horses to become well-known worldwide in her books, seven of them. Lectures and clinics have brought animal healing into respectability. Remember when it was a woo-woo thing? Her particular empathy with horses is now legendary. She is a registered healer, counselor, senior practitioner with the BRCP. Can you tell me what that stands for? That's the British Register of Complementary Practitioners. Okay, so it's very official. And Associate Teacher for Healing in America a Mindfulness Now practitioner and teacher accredited by the British Psychological Society as well. Margaret has lectured and taught workshops internationally, including Canada, New Zealand, numerous European countries, UK and USA, including the Open Center in New York. I love the Open Center. I used to live in New York. I love New York as well. Uh, there's not a lot of horses there, although no, no, no. <laughs> there used to be riding in the park, but there's not even that now. Also, you have been featured in numerous magazines, including Horse and Rider, Horse, Horse and Hound, Your Horse, and the New York Daily News. You've written columns for several magazines, including a pet column for the UK's Daily Mail newspaper. And Margaret has also been featured in several TV programs with both horses and companion animals and gives frequent radio interviews about her work. As I said before, you have seven books, the most recent of which is The Voice of Animals, Life Lessons We Can Learn From Them. So that's a lot of incredible experience that we're gonna get to uh, have you share with us today. If I can mention my other books. Oh, um, yes, please. My first book was Healing for Horses, and it was the first book in the world on the topic of um, spirituality for horses, healing connection. And it was um, really a terrifying moment to publish that book because no one was talking about horses as spiritual beings. No one was talking about healing. It had never been done before in a publication. And... um, so it was a watershed and it shifted everything from that book that came out in the year 2000. Other people then started writing about horses in a spiritual way. So it was groundbreaking. And I didn't really realize what was happening. I just knew I had to write the book. Then I followed it with um, Horses Talking and then connecting with horses, which is about coaching and equine facilitated learning, that sort of arena, but um, approaching it from my angle of uh, spirituality, healing uh, and healing communication. 
And then there was um, Healing for Pets book and um, Angel Pets and um, Communicating with Animals, which is a book that covers all animals, a, a book specific on the topic. That is so amazing. I love that you opened up that door to the mm -hmm. spirituality and the mysticism of horses. I mean, I was criticized by many mainstream um, journalists when mm -hmm. the book came out because they said it was like um, uh, a, a novel you would buy. It wasn't like right. They, they, one of them said it was very much like um, a soap novel. Because oh no! Thought, yeah, because it talked about horses having emotions, feelings. I delved into their mind. I communicated with them, and although people were doing it quietly around the world, I know that because they then got in touch. No one had actually thrust it out into a book, um, and and these journalists were saying, you know, books about horses should be about riding, about schooling, about training. What do we do with this book? But the world needed it, the horses needed it. I wrote it for the horses, I, I wrote it for them. Uh, and it shifted everything. And so it, it was like putting a stick into a pond that was stagnant. And then the water started to flow. I mean, there's a long way to go, a very long way to go, but it, it's opened up a dialogue. That is so beautiful. And I hope that you'll share more about that. I've uh... As a result of uh, our conversation that we had yesterday, which was quite lovely, I had not met Margaret before. I'd only heard about her and, and people who have worked with her. And uh, so we put together some questions that will kind of guide us through this conversation about your work. And uh, so those of you who are watching can get into the world of Margaret Coates and, and her work with horses, the, the spiritual connection, and all of those amazing things which has made her who she is today. So shall we get on with it here? Let's see. Um, I love that you are a voice for the animals. I, I, I feel very similar to you. Uh, what is the biggest message that you hear from them? Um, the biggest message is the message that drove me, compelled me to write that first book, which was, we have a voice. We, we have a voice, and I'm talking the horses. Mm -hmm. We are talking. We are shouting. But our voice is silence, and humans are not listening, and it's causing us so many problems we are distressed we're depressed we're anxious we are suffering and so that was the biggest message that kept coming across coming across and I found it shocking um disturbing because I would say to people you know your horse is saying this your horse is saying that this is what your horse needs and they would turn around and say what do you mean you, why are you saying that? What do you mean my horse is saying that? And it was all uh, about very rigid, and I'm going back 21 years now since that mm -hmm. book came mm -hmm. out. Um, and, and I thought, I, it, it, this is the, the thing that's having the biggest impact on me, that there are thousands, millions, billions of silent voices saying, help me. 
And then I vowed, I made a vow. I said, I have to do something about this. I have to take this to the planet. I can't help every single horse on the planet, but what I can do is uh, uh, trigger a dialogue so I can use my voice to take the message to the world that horses have a voice. They're silent and very few people are listening. And so when you say um, they, this, we said so many things, but when I hear you say they have a voice and you said something about it being very rigid, the humans weren't listening. Is that message that, can you please just pay attention to us and hear what we're saying? Yeah, and it's it's not a question of just being passive about it and standing back and saying, oh, I'm going to look at my horse. I'm going to look at these horses and just what are they saying? Oh, that horse is saying, I like this hay. I'm OK with this saddle. It's that's all superficial stuff that comes from a human perspective. Right. Uh, uh, the horses are intensely spiritual soul beings. So their voice is um, on a greater magnitude than any human voice I've ever listened to. They have a different perspective. They have this overwhelming um, cosmic wisdom. And so once we start listening to horses and we start peeling away our barriers that restrict us from hearing that voice, we start elevating and going up into some very important levels of communication. Yes, I think yesterday we talked about it was really actually a different dimension uh, totally. of connection. It is. And that because I've, um, I'm a, a registered healer, I've been practicing healing ever since I was a child. I, I'm constantly joining meditation groups. I've done 10 years of transcendental transcendental meditation i've did my mindfulness course with buddhists so be, you have to work on yourself you can't just go into the barn or a field and say right i want to hear the message of horses okay what what are they saying because we have so many barriers so we have to work to release the human layers of junk so we can hear the horses voices and then we start um elevating into that other dimension and that's a reality um, that helps us get out of all of the terrible things that are going on in the world so the horses have an overview of truth that we as humans haven't always and very rarely access uh, yeah or, or even delved into or even thought about Mm -hmm. So that the this actually leads into this next question. When someone says, how do you communicate with horses? What do you say? And I'm thinking about when you said, well, you have to work on yourself. So what do you actually tell people when they when so, they um, for me, what happens when I'm with a horse, it, it's it's very automatic that I'm stepping to the horse's um energy field, either um touching with my hand or standing closely, or I can do it from further away with, with horses who are very anxious, is it's very easy for me to just slide into the mutual dimension mm -hmm. because there's a place where we can 
contact other beings, horses, dogs, cats, wild animals, in the neutral dimension. And that's the problem with humans. They're most of the time in their dimension. They can't get out of it. You know, wild animals will communicate with other animals across a vast desert or a forest. Horses. I live in the National Park here with four and a half thousand feral free roaming horses. They're all contacting with each other across this vast space with the wild pigs, with the, the cattle that are here, the sheep, the deer. They all know what's going on because they're they are in that other neutral dimension as well as being in their specific this is my herd this is what's going on mm -hmm. so for me it's very easy to slide into that dimension and what i say to people is um the more authentic meditation you practice and there's lots of meditation that for me isn't very helpful because it's all about an agenda in the meditation Med pure meditation helpful meditation should be simply letting go accessing elevating raising consciousness rather than just having a, a meditation that is a specific agenda of something you need to do in a meditation so um so i when i'm with a client i um take them through some steps some tips of how in the short time i'm with them i can actually help them to let go enough to connect to the individual energy signature of that horse and I some people manage it instantly very well and other people struggle because they're not used to relaxing letting go being open being neutral right i love the way you named this neutral space and you differentiated it from individual space. Can you say a little bit more about that? For, for humans, I, I definitely, uh, well, say it for both, because I, I agree with you. This is absolutely the space. So there's a, there's a cosmic space, which is a hub of consciousness. That's the true place where we reach communication. It's the place where we communicate without triviality. Um, on a deep level and um, animals tap into that um, very easily very readily it's it's shut down for a lot of animals because in a factory farm situation in stressed horses in barns where they're all um, anxious and terrified and in pain th that ability is stripped away so I come across it often when I'm working with horses that they have they have a uh, they need peace to be able to go back to that place of neutrality. And for me, in healing, that's something that's very easy to rectify. And um, so it's something that is natural to animals, but humans, most humans have to learn how to do it. I come across children who are doing it naturally. And for me as a child, it was something that I was doing naturally but then you you're a human and so you get into life and stuff and you go to school and all these pressures and you find that it starts to slip away so I had to work hard um, as an adult to come back to it to relearn how to slip into that space earth energy because of humans has become contaminated so this 
this neutral space is, is more and more difficult to access. So when we go to somewhere where few humans have been, um, where um, we get away from the cities and the towns and where it's very busy, it becomes easier to uh, connect to that energy that's uncontaminated, which is why it's important to get out into nature. Um, and to um, just to stop the thinking and just allow the feeling. Yeah, so it's this place of allowing rather mm -hmm. than having this consistent voice and agenda going on. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Um, tell me, because you do a lot of healing, you do a lot of communication, how are they connected? They're absolutely connected because when I started doing this professionally and when I was writing Healing for Horses, um, I touched on it because it puzzled me. Um, at the time, there were no books on Healing for Horses, but there were lots of animal communication books. And it really puzzled me why these books touched on communication and no one talked about healing because if you connect on a healing wavelength, you will be connecting on the communication wavelength because it's the same wavelength, mm. same energy signature. So if you get the healing wavelength right, and, and it's the authentic wavelength rather than a, the human agenda coming back, a wanting, I need situation, then you are on the communication work. Uh, wavelength so i never go to a horse or any animal with a list of questions and say okay i'm going to ask this horse this and when the clients book me i say to them don't give me very much information i just want to know the name the age maybe how long you've had the horse and and please don't tell me anything else and they start talking i say i don't want to know anything because my brain my mind will start analyzing and say oh i met a horse like that once and it worked out that subconsciously not consciously mm -hmm. so i go in on a healing wavelength and that is so pure that in that space and that's the neutral space the horse will then recognize that i can hear reality and truth so the messages come because i said to people if you have a list if you're asking questions how do you know what the question is that that's your opinion um okay the horse might be reacting but if you just say to the horse why are you reacting that doesn't help the horse to actually give you any communication so i so for me the healing wavelength opens up that channel that door to authentic communication. Then on that wavelength, I start to hear, sense and see information. And then I will pass that on to the person. Um, and I will say to them, be honest with me, say, don't say yes, you understand it. If you don't, please be honest because my interpretation, what I'm seeing might need a little bit of working on because Horses will give the information according to how they felt about a situation at the time. And it can be sometimes a bit symbolic or the feelings that come across we, we might need to delve into to see how it related to that horse and how it affects today's situation. So 
if for me, if a person just sits down and says, I want to communicate with this animal without reaching the individual energy signature, how can that be communicating with horses? That's something I've never understood. I think you have to connect to the soul being as a healer and then the rest follows. Yeah, so this actually answers the, my next question was about beyond the obvious, what role do you as a human play? So from what I hear, you are uh, coming as a pure vessel. Yeah, and I think um, the purity of the vessel is, you know, people talk about it, unconditional love. And I say to them, you know, how did we, uh, oh, human animals love unconditionally and, and humans can't. How, how did, we are an animal too, so how did we ever get lost? Hmm. Where, where did we get to the point where as an animal species, we say we can't love unconditionally? To, to be an authentic communicator, we need to become an unconditional being, a, a being that loves unconditionally. We need to get back to that. It, it's a, doing a lot of work on ourselves because I come back to you can't have an agenda. If you're going to love unconditionally, you can't have an agenda. Okay, the dog or the cat or the horse might want a treat and come round, but that's not what I'm talking about and the communication. Um, we have to love ourselves, and that's something that on my workshops, a lot of people have a problem with when I'm really? taking them through exercises to break through their barriers. And I invite them to say to themselves, I love you. Okay, now I, I love you. Then often all hell breaks loose because um, people can't say, some people get distressed, some people turn away. Oh, oh, you know, they and I and then I say, well, go up to the horse and say, I love you. And some people can't even do that. So um, there might be a morning or a day where as a healer, a healer, counselor, mindfulness practitioner, teacher, I'm helping people to release that block, whatever it is, so that they actually, even if it's not a big breakthrough, it's it's some sort of breakthrough in the course where they're able to um, feel self-love and this isn't a selfish thing this is because we are what we are we're carrying who we are we need to respect that we all make mistakes I mean you know let's all yeah I put my hand up um, with everybody because that comes with the territory of being a human but we need to say that we love ourselves for trying for wanting to help for wanting to do the work that the universe would like us to do needs us to do so this the, the topic of love is a big thing and when we can love unconditionally when we can stand in front of a horse and feel this pressure here where the love um activates as soon as you're in front of a horse and it doesn't matter what the horse looks like what the personality is whether they're being difficult or calm if you can feel this here 
where the heart chakra opens and circles round, and you look at this being and you can say, I love you. I love you. I love you because you are a voice that's silent. You need me to hear you. And so I love you and I will hear you on that wavelength. Then something magical happens. Mm. It was happening just then as I was sitting there. It's very, very, very powerful. Mm. So given all of this, Margaret, all of it is horse wisdom, but if if one of the, the goals of these uh, conversations is to help more clearly identify or make tangible horse wisdom, what would you say? Um, I think um, it's to make more tangible is to throw away really everything or most of the things that we think we know and start again. That's what I did when I started working as a horse healer because I've been on the courses, I was a trained healer. As much as you can train anybody to be healer, you can't actually train people to be healer. You can open up um, their abilities, you can guide them, you can say what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so it was when I started doing the work, I thought I need to throw everything away and actually step back and then step forward, having elevated to the level of the horse mm. and, um, and find out what my true nature is. Who am I? <laughs> so whenever I step to a horse and I, I talk a lot when I'm healing verbally as well as in my mind, mm -hmm. because um, I think horses need to be spoken to there's and there's science behind it when we speak we are projecting images i mean this has been studied by nasa even so when i'm standing there to a horse and say i think you're beautiful the horse receives an image a sensation of beauty if i stand in front of a horse and say oh you've got a big head and funny legs my mind will transmit an image of that and, and it's why people with dogs and cats, or dogs particularly, or horses, when they're talking about something, will project a behaviour that they are actually don't want. So if you say to a dog, don't get on the sofa, you're putting an image into your mind the dog picks up on, of the dog on a sofa. So the right. dog is trying to please, then it gets into trouble. So that's a classic. So it's elevating ourselves to the point where we um, our nature becomes one of giving and transformation so so when i'm with the horse the first thing i will say is i love you and then i will say i can hear you and i open myself up so that's why i don't want any information because i want to be a pure channel and then um so 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 that's what happened when i became a healer was I went to the horses and I said okay let's begin again I'm not coming with an agenda I'm not coming with a tick box um let's just be 
and then I felt that this this blending happened mm. I was absorbing this person because they are people inverted commas not human but they're non-human animals we're human animals and I found that I would absorb who this being was and like there's often like a drifting takes place you just swept along in this beautiful wavelength of being mm -hmm. and um and it, and it's empowering for me and, and without being able to put it into words at the time i know i'm learning something i know i'm elevating something i know that you know human life will never be perfect there'll always be tests trials tribulations because we're so it it probably would be perfect if there were no other humans on the planet but then we need to be with other humans because we have rapports and relationships and 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 it's part of our learning so i think it's about elevation of ourselves as a soul being is fine is taking ourselves on that journey which is difficult because it means no agenda no ego and not asking for anything Mm. Wow, that is that's deep, Margaret, but it's absolutely what re I relate to as well. And I can understand where people have difficulty with that. It is a process. It's not always an easy thing like it's you process. Said. Yeah, it's the process. So one and last humility. question. Hum sorry, humility. That's a big oh, yeah. thing. When I'm standing, when I go to a horse and I'm doing a consult or a dog or a cat. If I'm not feeling humble, then I know that I'm not in the right place. And humility becomes second nature because you're standing with another species, another being, and you have to be humble in their presence mm -hmm. because they have no verbal voice. Mm. That is a beautiful barometer, humility. Mm. That is an incredible aspect of horse wisdom. So the last question that comes up is, all right, yes, you've written these beautiful books and you're out there healing in the world and uh, helping others. How do you take this horse wisdom and apply it in your life on a daily basis? If not daily, just um, how has it become part of you? It's become part of me in a way that I, feel responsible hmm. for um responsible on many levels in that um I, you know i've i'm a vegan um apart from i do eat eggs from a neighbor's hens who are rescued from a factory farm and they're all free roaming but i haven't eaten animals or animal products for 43 years hmm. and so I thought I, I owe the horses the responsibility to um, always be aware of their imprisonment, their lack of freedom, their, um, the fact that they are, so many horses are in pain, so many horses are frustrated, uh, used and abused and um, don't have any choices. So I need to be very, very responsible to nature and to animals in the areas where I can be. 
and um and to always keep transcending and to always keep looking for opportunities where I can help where I can increase awareness where I can uh, stimulate debate and thoughts and a dialogue for improvement and how can we stop all of the injustices that from taking place so it's it's actually uh, encouraged me to act in a very different way and people who have met me who haven't been in contact with me since I was maybe in my 20s say that I'm a very different person because like so many people you're just going off and doing your own thing and you are um I was always aware because I was always very much into animals always communicating always an animal lover but I didn't have the intensity that I have now I didn't have the feeling of urgency of importance and I, um, I think it came home to me when I thought, okay, one day when I was with a um, terminally ill horse that was being euthanized, and I, I lay there with the horse um, after the procedure in my lap, the head, not the horse, obviously, the horse's head. And um, I'd sensed the soul leave. I knew at the moment that that soul had gone. And I thought at any moment I could go, I could leave this planet because we are, that's a given for all of us. I need, it can't be that I go and then wherever we're going to, and I know there's no death, just a shift of consciousness all through from my work, and look back and have regrets. I'm sure we as humans all will, all will but I don't think the animals will at all. Mm. Um, unless they regret that they didn't have a good life but um that I, I each moment each day i have to never forget it's a learning process i always have to keep on top of myself keep thinking keep keep do, trying to plow through the human restrictions that mean we make mistakes we lose our temper we get fed up we get depressed we get all of these things but each day work through that every time I'm with the animals progress feel something learn something because there'll come a time when I leave and I want to have learned as much as possible from the animals from the horses uh, sorry it's a long-winded way of answering your question it's beautiful and very inspiring very, very inspiring. Well, Margaret, I have such uh, gratitude for your joining us here and sharing your experiences and your uh, passion, your accountability, all of your, um, your heart with us. So um, yeah, I wish you very, very well. And I'm sure we will see more of you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.